Thanks everyone for joining us at our latest Yahoo Finance Premium web webinar, Trading the Most Turbulent Stocks for Stocks in a Year of Record Volatility. I'm Jared Blickery, and guess what? We are seeing some volatility today in some of the biggest names that we've been tracking, Apple, Tesla, Zoom. We are gonna chart those for you, and we're gonna be talking very soon with Joe Fami. He is Managing Director at Zor Capital, and we're gonna go over technicals, fundamentals, and portfolio management with him. And you can even ask us questions throughout this webinar. We're also gonna be demonstrating some of the features of our Yahoo Finance Premium Service, how you can use it to find stocks that show signs of promising returns, and also how to use it to analyze your portfolio and fine tune it. So now here are some notes about our webinar software. You'll be able to interact with us in real time, and this is through the BlueJeans Secure Video Conferencing Platform, now part of Verizon. And we're gonna be running polls for the next 45 minutes, which you're gonna see at the right-hand tab of your screen. You can post questions to either of us at any time using that same tab at the right of your screen, and you can use a real name or feel free to post anonymously. Also, on the bottom left-hand side, you're gonna have some viewing options and a slider where you can size a presenting screen as well as a video box for Joe and for me. And let's get started. And we're gonna kick this off with a poll. And it is the second worst month for stocks over the last 75 years is, is it February, August, September, October, December? We're gonna keep the polls open for about a minute and go over the results in a few. Uh, but now I, I wanna bring in Joe. Uh, let me just ask you, Joe, because before we get into anything, we're starting to see some market action today. And I'm just wondering what you're making of it. Um, I mean, from a thank you for having me. First of all, from a technical perspective, uh, obviously, uh, this is a quite an impressive liquidity-driven rally, and I think it's very important for people to define themselves, know their own time frames, whether they're longer-term investors or whether they're short-term traders. I always say, if you're a longer-term investor and you have strong entry points on your positions, stick with the trend until there's any major warning signs. And if you're a short-term trader, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know taking some profits into strength. And it's clearly, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's actually I, I've been a bull this whole time, and it's still very impressive uh, how you know this liquidity-driven rally, how strong it is. Yeah, so maybe we're just getting a pullback as another reentry position. We're going to talk about some specific stocks in a bit, but I just wanted to go over some stats. And uh, guys, my producers, you can pull up slide two, September, the worst month. Um, that was related to our poll. So yeah, I kind of let that go in the intro. September is the worst month of the year. And if you can see our, our table, uh, it's down an average of 0.54% over the last basically 75 years, August the second worst month, I hope we've clo closed the polls right now, uh, that's down about 12 basis points, and then February down seven. Best month of the year tends to be December. That's when we get that Santa Claus rally. And then November is pretty strong, as is April. Uh, but heading into this period, Joe, uh, after Labor Day, you know, we've gotten through the summer doldrums where a lot of traders on vacation. They say sell in May and go away. I think a lot of traders really just hedge. But now that we're back in the, the September, October timeframe when all the traders are supposedly at their desks, is it any different now than the rest of the year? And I know in particular to your trading style, you really only trade a few different times per year. Yeah, that's correct. One thing I've just noticed from doing this 21 years is that the end of the quarters, especially end of March, end of 
uh, June and what's coming up end of September, there tends to be a lot of rebalancing. Um, a lot of people who have longer term portfolios or who do maybe a 60-40 portfolio for their clients, uh, they, they tend to do their rebalancing towards the end of the quarters. That's what leads to some of the volatility. Um, overall, I wrote an article for you guys a few weeks ago saying I was bullish into the election because of uh, you know, for many reasons, namely the Fed is providing an incredible amount of liquidity. The institutions continue to uh, support this market and the leaders are acting very well. So overall, I wouldn't be surprised to see some uh, normal volatility towards the end of the quarter. But overall, the trend is still very strong. Yeah. And we actually have this slide up average VIX level by month. And you can see October is the most elevated. It has an average VIX level of 21 and we're we're above that right now. We've had a lot of volatility this year. In fact, that VIX spike we got in March, I believe it had an 85 handle. Never seen anything like that before. But we can also see uh, in September and November, those months surrounding October, we also have some, some VIX spikes as well. And just to put it in context, um, Joe, I'm wondering, how did you manage March and April and May of this year? That's a great question. Um, I use a lot of technicals. I'm also an active manager. So one of my main rules, which we're gonna get into soon, is using the 50-day moving average uh, on the markets. And when we started to break below that in late February, I reduced exposure for my clients because there was a lot of professional selling. There was a breakdown of that key moving average. So I did reduce exposure uh, because I, it's not for everybody, but for people who are active, I believe four out of five stocks move in the general direction of the market. So it's very key to take a step back and look at the overall trend, whether you're in an uptrend or whether you're potentially going through a correction or a downtrend. When it was clear we were heading into a downtrend in late February, early March, that's when I reduced exposure. And honestly, I think a lot of people agree with this. If the Fed didn't come to the rescue and they did what they had to do to uh, you know, prevent the economy from, uh, you know, from possibly going into a further, uh, see further damage, that's when the institution stepped back in. And that's when I increased exposure right around early to mid-April. Well, I wanted to get to our poll results right now, but it looks like I can't quite get them up. So I'm going to take a question from the audience. And this is, what do you expect to happen in the stock market during the next few months as unemployment and mortgage policies evolve before the election. And I just wanna go, I'll go over some of the fundamental data here. Yeah, we're just coming off the worst GDP quarter annualized in history is something like 32% down, just amazing. Uh, but for the current quarter, estimates are now for something north of 10%. That's the V people are talking about, but do we go down from there again? Do we plateau? Very hard to say. Um, and I really don't know. There are so many things you have to take into consideration. You'd have to know the path of the COVID virus. You'd have to anticipate policy responses. We don't even know who the next president of the U.S. is going to be. Might not know that during election week. There's so much uncertainty, Joe. What's your response? Uh, I mean, it's the same thing as I said before. Use that. Uh, I know a lot of people don't use the technicals, but it's important to learn about chart reading. And for me, uh, when I, I don't argue with what the big institutions are doing, if people can take away something from this webinar is just remember the big institutions control the markets. It's the big 
pension funds, mutual funds, and uh, hedge funds that, that are trading uh, millions and millions of shares. So it's important to follow what they're doing. So your guess is as good as mine as far as, you know, where the market's going to be a few months from now. I'd rather, rather than predict, I'd rather interpret what the big institutions are doing. And as long as, you know, we've seen some selling here and there, meaning some volume day, down days on, on high volume here and there, which is expected in an uptrend, but we haven't seen any consistent selling. So as long as the big institutions continue to support the markets, I'm going to stick with the trend until, until proven otherwise. Right. Well, it's time to look at a chart here. We've been talking about the NASDAQ. I have uh, this plotted with the 21-day and the 50-day moving averages, and yeah. we are right at highs. And I'll tell you what, this looks like a hammer candle. And just a quick note about candlestick analysis, you got to have confirmation the next day, but some people would interpret this as bearish if there's confirmation the next day. What are you looking for in a market top that you're not seeing right now? Well, okay, for, for sure, short term, and I'm glad you pulled that up, in strong uptrends, both strong markets and strong stocks tend to hold that 21 EMA, which I believe is that, um, is it a blue line? I, I can't tell exactly yeah. that, that, that yeah. first, yeah, that blue line on the chart. So you can see since we had signs of institutions coming back into the markets in early April, the index has held, the NASDAQ is the leading index and it's held that 21 moving average. So short term, you can see just visually we're extended from that. That's why I always say, know your time frame, whether you're a trader or you're an investor. But to directly answer your question, to see any sort of major top, you would need to see four to six or seven uh, distribution days, meaning big down days on heavy volume uh, in a short period of time, meaning three or four weeks. And as I said, we're seeing some of them here and there, but we're not seeing them consistently. So until I see that consistently, uh, I'm not complacent by any means, but I'm not looking for any sort of major market top until this, this, there's signs, consistent signs of the big institutions exiting the markets. Right. And just real quick, I can, I also have the, uh, actually all the way going back to December of last year. So we did see some distribution, especially uh, as we got into the end of February here. That's what you were looking for, in other words, and also closing below some of these key moving averages. 21 day the 50 is is that what you're looking for yeah so on that chart so just if people can take away i know i hope they take away more than one thing but just one simple concept is when for the most part when the when the major averages are above their 50-day moving average for the most part the market's healthy and when it's below that for the most part get defensive if you want to be tactical and reduce exposure and what you mentioned about market tops is to see four to six distribution days over a short period, uh, you know, stalling or, uh, you know, heavy down days. We saw that in the middle to end of February. And when we gap below that 50 day, that was a time to get defensive. But as I said, as long as we're above that, uh, it doesn't mean be complacent. It just means that the market's healthy and stick with the trend. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Time for our next poll. Um, I would just want to get an uh, an idea of the audience's uh, background here in trading. So this question is, how long have you been trading stocks? Is it one year or less, one to three years, three to 10 years, or 10 years or more? We're gonna keep that open for a couple minutes here. Um, Joe, I, wanted, I want my producers to pull up a slide here. It's going to be uh, slide number five. 
Dow market cycles since 1900. I know this is one of your slides that we've appropriated and you go over, but let's put this current market in context over the secular term, over a decade or two decades. What can you tell us about this? One thing I've noticed is these cycles, and it's roughly you know 10 to 20 years of major bull market cycles, uh, followed by 10 to 15 years, of course, it's not exact, of consolidation. And you can see usually what leads us to these big uptrends are innovation, are big inventions that have revolutionized our lives. So maybe in the 20s, it was railroads, and then we had a big correction. And then after that, it was television, airlines, and then there was high inflation in the, in the 70s and so forth. And then I call the move from 82 to 2000 the computer PC revolution, where it was, I mean, the leaders of that time were Microsoft, Cisco, Intel, and Dell were some of the biggest stocks. What did they do? Uh, Dell was the leading computer manufacturer. Microsoft put the software on there. Intel was the leading chip manufacturer. And Cisco connected them all together. So that move we saw, these types of moves we see in secular trends are usually led by huge innovations. And right now, that's why, you know, as Warren Buffett says, never bet against America. There's just incredible innovations that are constantly going on uh, in this market. Yeah, it's easy to forget that Intel and Cisco were themselves once high growth stocks and also instructive, I think, because now they're not and stocks can morph over their lifetime. But I wanna get right now to a question from the audience. This comes from Misak. When do you expect the pain in Main Street to be reflected in the stock market? I know Fed is nonstop printing money. When will this narrow market breadth start becoming a problem? So a couple of points in there. Um, first, the narrow market breadth, I guess by a couple different measures, and I've been tracking this recently, I look at the New York Stock Exchange advanced decline line. Um, that has not been confirming the record highs that we've been seeing in the indices. Some people look at the equal weight S&P index, and I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's confirming either, but I have to check on that. And then when you factor in the Fed printing a lot of money, yeah, that's a tailwind. Um, hard to quantify its effect on the market, but definitely a tailwind. But the data themselves have been surprising to the upside. We talked about that bad quarter of GDP, but I've actually been surprised by a lot of the high-frequency data coming out this month that supports the view that consumer spending is still okay. And I thought it would have dropped off because of the enhanced unemployment benefits that were going away, but I'm just not seeing that in the data. We've been getting strong manufacturing reports. The ADP employment number this morning, admittedly very disappointing. So we're gonna be watching Friday's payroll number very closely. But you know, I at the end of the day, I just look at the market. The market's gonna tell me all I need to know. Um, it's gonna be reflected in prices and some days are gonna be good, some days are gonna be bad, but I have my I have my levels in mind and I know Joe, you have your system. Um, it's shared by a lot of people who follow Investors Business Daily. Can you can you add anything to this? Yeah, those are all great points that you that you made, Jared. I I think people need to separate the economy. The stock market doesn't always equal the economy. Uh, also, turn off the news. The news is designed to scare us. So people are saying every there's no question everything on the news is miserable, and they do that on purpose to get you to tune in for ratings. And you have to, there is a disconnect, but the point is that the stock market is a discounting mechanism and it sometimes trades on what will happen six to nine months, months from now. And um, 
again, follow what the big institutions are doing. When I wrote an article for you guys in uh, two articles, late March, early April, saying that the coronavirus numbers are likely to get worse, but the stock doesn't mean the stock market has to get worse. It's because of I was following what the big institutions were doing. I was seeing money coming in. I was seeing certain sectors, software, medical products, and semiconductors starting to move to new highs. So my point is, Shut off the noise and pay attention to what the big institutions are doing because they control the market. And that is way more important than paying attention to the news. Yeah, well, just a follow up question here from Stephanie, because this is very re relevant. And then I'm, I'm going to play a clip of a recent interview we did with Esther George. She's asking, Joe, do technicals matter less when the Fed is soaking the market with liquidity and acting like the ultimate put on steroids, i.e. the normal price discovery process is less relevant accurate thanks to their involvement. And I'm gonna take this first real quick. I'm just gonna say, I've been following QE since the beginning and it has had an effect on the market, but at the end of the day, there's still there's still prices to read from that. And I think the market structure has changed, electronic trading has changed a lot of that. I don't know if it's Fed, but yeah, the market's trading a lot differently than it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's not as much liquidity. The downdrafts are faster. We just had the fastest bear market uh, bear market and bear market recovery on record sequentially. So there are things that are different, but you can still read the technicals and yes, they still matter. Joe? Yeah, that's a great point. I agree, the technicals still matter. When I look at, I've even looked at cryptocurrencies and people are saying, what are you looking at technicals for? Technicals are a uh, a sign of price and volume and, and, and supply and demand, no matter what you're trading. And, um, one thing, you know, Jesse Livermore says is, you know, over the past hundred years, stocks have come and gone, but human nature, fear, greed, and so forth is the same. And that's reflected. That's never going to go away. That's been the same a hundred years ago today and a hundred years from now. And that is reflected in the supply demand of prices. So the Fed is providing a low interest rate and equity friendly environment for the institutions that a lot of them are levering up. But I agree with you 100%, the technicals still matter and you can still use them in this environment. And here we have Esther George being interviewed by Yahoo Finance's Brian Chung on uh, is the Fed sparking asset price bubbles? Let's take a listen. So I have talked about the role of asset purchases, low for long interest rate policy and the implications that can have for financial stability, for creating imbalances. So that is always a concern, and I suspect will be something we are going to have to focus on uh, in the years ahead. The focus, of course, right now for the Federal Reserve, though, is to pay attention to what the economy needs and what it's able to provide. So my support for the actions that have been taken have been in that context to understand that the economy is suffering a terrible uh, shock right now, and for the Federal Reserve to provide uh, the kinds of facilities, the kind of accommodation is going to be very important. There'll come a day, I hope, when we have to look at the economy growing in a way that we will rethink those things. Bottom line for me, the Fed is a long way off from raising rates and not too concerned about inflation. Might be a problem down the road. All right, now I want to read the results of our last poll. How long have you been trading stocks? One year or less, that's one third of you. One to three years, about 19%. Three to 10 years, 19%. 10 years or more, 31%. So uh, all in all, I'd say about one, just a little bit less than one third are new traders, a little bit less than one third are veterans, and the rest are in between. 
So now we have another poll that we're gonna take here. And this is, what percentage of US stock volume do retail traders now comprise? So are retail traders 5% of the overall market, 10%, 20%, or 50%? And we're gonna keep that open for a couple of minutes here. Well, Joe, I wanna go over some charts that we've been promising to go over here, and I'm gonna share my screen. Everybody will be able to see what I'm seeing in a minute here. And just bear with me, here we go. So here we have Tesla. This chart goes back basically to the end of last year. We can see this incredible run up. Tesla, of course, just split their stock. So uh, the prices are one fifth what they were before. And um, Joe, I'm gonna ask you to run over the technicals that you're looking at with this chart. But first I wanna ask you, what do you think of the split business with Tesla and Apple? Is it truly a tailwind? Does it even matter? Yeah, I mean, this does go back to the late 90s when I started trading. And I just think uh, simply it is a vote of confidence from the company uh, that, that things are going to do well going forward. Because why would you want to split your stock? And if business isn't going to be good, you split your stock and then the stock gets crushed. So it's a vote of confidence. And it's also, as everybody knows, a way to get retail traders who are demanding from the company to make the stocks more affordable from a price point of view. There's a lot of hype about it, but I think it's a positive, and uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's just an overall positive for the for the companies. It's a it's a vote of confidence. All right. Well, I'm going to put this chart back up here, and just tell me what you're looking at. We got the 21 day moving average. We got the 50. I've got volume profile on it. And just before you answer, as a note, all of this charting is uh, is free of charge. This is actually not part of our premium product. A product anybody can use any of these indicators and we have probably a hundred on here some of them are very very good um, but Joe what are you looking at here yeah I think it's important for people to get chart books and learn how to read charts and bases and so forth so on the left hand side around February March split adjusted it was approaching two hundred dollars and then it built a consolidation a base is a stock consolidating during a market correction that's all a base is so when it built a base and came back around, you need to buy off of some sort of consolidation. One thing I stress to everybody, no matter what your time frame is, short, medium, long term, do your best to get a strong entry point and buy off of a stock emerging from a proper consolidation. So when it started to emerge in May and again in June, full disclosure, I did take a position around that time for my clients because it was looking like it was an emerging from a proper consolidation. Sometimes you miss that and it ran up to about 300 split adjusted and consolidated again in July, August and gives you a secondary buy point if you miss the breakout. And thank you for highlighting that. So these are the types of things that the more you look at charts and get chart books and you can use Yahoo Finance as, as very, very strong charts. As you mentioned, it's a great free way to browse through charts and look at all the uh, technicals and indicators and so forth. The more you look at charts, the more you'll understand where strong buy points are to enter stocks. Okay, and what are you making of the price action today? We have these huge, I'm gonna zoom in here, these two huge down candles looking kind of ugly. Do these concern you? Uh, they are above some moving averages and there's only, looks like two of them so far. We don't know the volume on today until the close, but what? how would you interpret this? Yeah, I mean, coming out of that consolidation when they announced a split, again, around 300, 350 split adjusted and out of that box that you highlighted, it ran up. And people need to understand that 
trader or investor. If you have a good entry, some people are in this for the long run. If you have a good entry, then you might want to stick with the trend as long as it's above that 50-day and those key moving averages. Uh, if you are a trader, as stocks go up, there's nothing wrong with taking some profits into strength. Full disclosure, that's what I did because I don't mind locking in some gains as stocks make strong technical moves. But overall, longer term, it's still in a great trend. Shorter term, it just might need to consolidate that recent move from roughly 300 to 500 split adjusted. Okay. And I want to take a look at another stock here that's been doing really well. This is Salesforce. And you look at today, so you got a red candle here, but this is really bullish looking to me because it has been flagging uh, ever since we had this huge breakout to the upside above 250. It's maintained those gains. Uh, what are you looking at in this chart? Yeah, Salesforce, I mean, in general, I love software. Uh, Salesforce is the granddaddy of uh, enterprise software. And what leads stocks to go up is strong earnings and sales growth. I think they were supposed to report somewhere around, you know, whatever it was, uh, 57 cents. They did $1.44 in the recent quarter. Uh, and that's what helped launch it. As you can see there, though, there's that consolidation uh, that it put in a, a nice, strong base and launched out of that uh, range. But it is uh, the cloud. I don't want to say is it's in its infancy stages, but I don't think it's by any way, any means late stage because uh, there's a lot of companies that are slow to move and, and adopt to the cloud, especially government agencies and Salesforce is clearly showing um, that they are the leader and there's still demand as profit margins are expanding for them as well as a lot of cloud companies. All right, let's take an audience question now. Um, how do you know when the uptrend is over and the downtrend has started? What do you look for in the charts? RSI, stochastics, moving averages, and I know, Joe, you've gone, gone over some of the things that you look for in terms of strong markets um, and also topping formations, but could you go over some of that and any indicators that you use? Yeah, that's a great question. Like I said, simple simple 50-day moving average. Uh, uh, and, and kind of what I said before, I'll just repeat it quickly, is you look for signs of distribution, several days of in a short period of time of the institutions getting out of the markets. And if you just want to use a general trend, a 50-day moving average, if we're above that, stick with the trend. If we're below that, get defensive. Um, and that's just a, a good general guide. I do find it interesting that everyone's dying to look for a top and people get in, uh, almost insulted or offended when you say we could be in the early stages of a new bull market. So it is kind of interesting from a sentiment point of view. Yeah, and I'm just flipping through some of these charts. Uh, I, I know these are tickers you look at, but a lot of these charts look very similar. Here's Zoom. We have this huge breakout similar to Salesforce maintaining uh, that breakout from the opening day after its earnings, uh, 40%. Uh, then there's NVIDIA. Any, we also have Zillow. Any chart in particular or ticker in particular you'd like to go over for us? I mean, look, let's face it, a lot of these stocks I've, well, I've been in, I've discussed them, uh, you know, both uh, in interviews with you guys and, and just in general on my blogs and so forth. They provided strong entry points a while ago. Some of them are, are extended and uh, are not offering the safest of buy points. So that's where if you're in from a lower level and you have a longer term time frame, be patient with them. But uh, you, you're going to need to wait for that consolidation or at least some sort of a pullback if you're not in these to look to get in. But 
uh, I, I, you can't argue with the liquidity. You can't argue with the strength of these leaders. And you can't argue with the, the earnings and sales growth that a lot of these companies, specifically semis, chips, medical products, housing strong, uh, you can't argue with the growth because the, they're still growing because of their strong earnings and sales. Yeah, and I just like to highlight an indicator that's free on our platform called Anchored VWAP. This is something that Brian Shannon uses quite a bit. In fact, he's one of the co-inventors of it. It was also invented by somebody else independently. Um, here it is on the indicators. It's under A for Anchored. And what you do is you put in the date, and we're going to start last Friday. I think that's the breakout date for Salesforce here. We don't need a time because this is a daily chart, and we're going to save. And uh, actually, I got the wrong day, so we need to change that to 826. And we'll do that right now if I can. <laughs> I'm getting uh, bogged down by my own technical ineptness here. <laughs> and Well, that's not working out. Let me see if I can... No, but that, that is a great feature uh, that uh, you guys have added. I think that's a, it's a very strong feature and uh, something people should definitely uh, look into and use. All right, here we go. Um, six, just change the date to 26. Yeah, I promise it's easier to use than this. All right, so this will give us the average price from some psychological moment. Um, it can be from a breakout. Some people, this is using the, the close. You can also use an average of it. Some people would use the low if we're in an uptrend. And this just gives you a potential support line uh, to use. You can also use this for IPOs. You take the uh, VWAP anchored from the first day of trading, and it'll give you a sense of the average position. Uh, are people underwater? Are they in profit? You can take it from lows. You can take it from highs. So I found that to be a very useful tool. But um, I want to go over the results of our last poll. What percentage of U.S. volume do retail traders now comprise? And 5%, um, 19% of you gave that answer. For 10%, 29% of you gave that answer. 20% is the right answer, and that was the best result here. We got 37% of you saying that. And then 50% said 15. Now, until recently, it was about 15%. But due to the Robin Hood nature of traders coming into this market, we are now at 20%. I'd say this is a sizable um, improvement. Well, I would say it's a sizable development in the market because retail before has not affected the market the way to which they are now. And you see that in, especially in call options. We've had an explosion uh, in, the, in the options market, and some days it's actually bigger than the underlying stock market. That's never happened before, and that's because of retail traders coming in. And so they're having an impact, and I think that's also contributing to uh, market volatility in some of these individual names as people uh, buy calls. Some of the option dealers are then forced to buy the underlying to hedge as the price goes higher, and it's a virtuous cycle until you get a day like today when the opposite occurs, and so selling begets more selling. Bottom line is I think um, the market is more volatile today in part because of rise of retail traders. So I don't know if you've noticed anything in, like that in your trading, Joe. No, that's a great point. Uh, options are more available. Not too long ago, they only used to be the third Friday of every month. Now they're weekly options, and there's more companies and more symbols that have uh, weekly options. So it's a great point you're making. They are very liquid. They're not just a way for retail traders to trade some of the higher price stocks, but it's also a way for institutions 
to get into names. Uh, you know, really quick story. When Carl Icahn took that big position in Netflix years ago, he didn't buy it on the markets. He did it through options. So it is also a way for big institutional traders, because they're so liquid, to get involved into positions. All right. Now we're going to take the next poll. Uh, the top source for my trading decisions is, oh, and for my producers, it's poll three. Uh, the top source for my trading decisions is a free advisory service, a paid advisory or subscription service, Twitter message boards, financial media, or my own research. And we'll keep that open for a few minutes here. Uh, now I want to turn to Yahoo Premium. And I'm just going to go over some of the features. And to do that, I'm going to share my screen with everybody. Um, this, is, this is the dashboard. So when you log in, uh, it will show you your watch list or your portfolio. You can hook it up to your broker and it will automatically download your positions along with um, it will figure out when you were got when you got when you got into those positions so your basis cost in those positions and in this i just arbitrarily created a watch list uh, in july of last year and you can see it's up 38 percent happens to be outperforming the s p which is up nine percent but as we um as we look here, it has some interesting tools. It has a valuation tool, diversification tool, risk level. So if we go into diversification, this will actually tell us how diversified our portfolio is. Um, this is showing the portfolio al allocation. So this is actually based on fundamentals, Peter Lynch mo model. Is it overvalued or undervalued? Let me see if I can get to diversification here. Oh, it's actually at the top. And so here we see risk profile moderately aggressive diversity. There's a high concentration in communication services, 64%. Um, so I might want to take a look at that, but it's just one of many tools to help you assess um, your portfolio. And it depends on your own objectives. And maybe you have an investment advisor as well, but this would be able to tell you, are you too concentrated? Um, if you're a 60, 40 person close to retirement, uh, you know, what level of aggression should you have in your portfolio? So we also have my favorite investment ideas, and this will give you fundamental and technical ideas to trade, potential trades, every day. And uh, right now, as we're kind of uh, coming out of earnings season, we don't have as many fundamental uh, calls. We tend to get those surrounding earnings reports, but we do have a number of technical plays. And in particular, I wanted to look for American Express. There we go. And when we pull this up, it's going to show that it has a long-term target of 151. That is 48% above the current price. And it's telling you the stock has formed a pattern called bottom triangle, bottom wedge, providing a target price, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just take a look at this in a chart. And here, and this is what I love, it actually draws out the triangle for you. And so you can get a visual representation. And this is a huge triangle. This goes back about a year or more. And um, usually I don't see triangles this big, but there it is. And way over at the right, you can see prices just breaking out. So that could be a powerful signal. Ideally, you would also want to see that confirmed with volume. Um, and we'll get those figures at the end of the day. But then at the right, it'll tell you what the pattern, what the pattern means, the event description, and a lot more details here. Now, if we want to go back and just look for fundamental ideas, we can sort by those. And here we see, let's go for a bullish one. Here's one on Apple. I actually covered this the other day. And this, I believe, has to do with the stock split. Uh, 
the press the right button there. And here we go. So we pull this up and this will give you some, some information from Argus Research. They, they provide all these fundamental reports. And indeed, it's about the stock split, four for one stock split, raising target, reiterating buy. You can see all the reasons why here. And then you can also view Apple in a chart. It'll take you right to the chart. Don't have any pattern to look at, but here we are. And Joe, we haven't talked about Apple yet, so I'm gonna bring you back in and maybe you can share your thoughts on Apple because we have another huge bearish candle here right at the top, but it's by itself. We don't have confirmation. And so what would you be looking for in a potential top here and where would you think about getting back in? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously the most widely held stock in the market. And um, uh, I mean, this is where I talk about getting strong entry points. It's it's clearly extended from a proper buy point, but um, it's one of those things where how do you bet against Apple? I, a, lot, I, a lot of people are just holding the stock and, you know, you could have said it was extended so many times along the way. Uh, but this is where uh, if if you're not in it, I would wait for some sort of, uh, as I said, in, in strong for people who joined in late in strong markets, both strong stocks and strong indexes hold that 21 EMA. So that would be an area if we do get some volatility and consolidation towards the end of the quarter, that would be an area I would look at to possibly enter the stock. All right, and we're getting a question from the audience here from Stephanie. How do you incorporate volume into your technical analysis? Which are the indicators that best reflect the interaction of price plus volume for you? And Stephanie, I'll share my favorite one right now. And um, this is a free indicator on our website called volume. Some places it's called volume at price. And I believe here it's just called volume profile. This is similar to market profile that was developed by Pete Stottlemyre in the 1980s. And for every price bar on the screen, whatever is visible, it's gonna show you where the volume is clustering. And so if we take a longer term view, that really gives us a picture of some of these bases here. Um, and you know, for, for years, Apple, and this doesn't go far back enough, but for years, Apple was dead money. It wasn't always a growth stock. It has been at different times it is now, but um, this can easily show you where the accumulation is happening. I mean, from here in May until, that was May 2015, all the way until at least March of 2017, it was in a base and it hadn't broken out until early 2017. Then it went all the way up and retested this. Uh, bottom line, and I'm gonna zoom out here. Uh, when you have a stock that just goes up day after day, um, it doesn't really accumulate that much volume. And so sometimes uh, it's a quick trip down. And when it's a quick trip down, you need to know where that volume is. And so right here, I'm gonna zoom in on these days. You can see we've come down in this level we, touch, we touched in here. Uh, we do have this, this volume as it was consolidating for at least a few days. That's a long time for Apple. And then again, down here, we have volume uh, spiking around 110, it looks like around 120 as well. And again, down here, we have this other accumulation zone. So that's one thing that can be uh, powerful. And then anchored VWAP, uh, I, I talked about that before and I'll just do another example real quick here. Oh, it's under A, I'll go back there. And I'm getting a message, we only got five minutes left. So we're gonna go through some things, but 7.24.20 is the anchor date. And that's what we would plug into here. And just put in 724. 
and like so, we have a line that could act as potential support for the market. And there are lots of different methods of calculating support and resistance. Uh, people use Fibonacci, and if you think, well, a lot of entries are made at the 50% level, that itself is an average of the high and the low. So a lot of these methods kind of overlap and become self-fulfilling to a degree. So um, Joe, any, any thoughts on some of, the, some of the other technicals that you look at? Yeah, I try to keep it simple. I like that that volume profile is a great feature that you guys have. I keep it simple with just uh, price and volume and uh, use the moving averages as a guideline. You pulled up some technical analysis tips. Just keep reading, get a chart book, learn how to read charts, look for consolidations to buy off of. You don't want to buy things when they're going straight up in the air because they have a probability, like a rubber band can get more and more stretched, but they have a higher probability of snapping back at you. So getting strong entry points, weekly charts to look at the overall picture, and uh, just, you know, basically main thing is price and volume. Keep it as simple as possible. I agree. There's there's a, a stage where a lot of beginning traders go through. It's called indicator, indicator fascination, and everybody's playing with squiggly lines. There's nothing magical. Um, there are some tools that give you an edge, but you got to find that edge. You got to stick with it. You got to make rules. You got to stick to your plan. You got to have a plan. A lot of people don't. So I'm going to read the results of our last poll. The top source for trading, my trading decision is free advisory service, only 8%, paid advisory service, 17%. Twitter message boards, only 5%, that's good news. Financial media, 17%. My own research, 53%. And I like that answer. Joe, your thoughts on doing your own research. Pretty sure that I know what they are, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I thought uh, grabbing uh, Scrabble tiles out of a bag would be one way. <laughs> but uh, but thankfully, that, that wasn't an option. Yes, it's important to take this seriously and do your work and look at charts and do some fundamental work. And I try to do my best to buy stocks that coincide with some of the greatest winners throughout history. Because as we know, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it tends to rhyme. So I'm looking for stocks, not only with strong earnings and sales growth, but using strong technicals for the proper time to buy them. And it takes time. You have to put in the work if you're looking for uh, superior results. All right, we're gonna play, we've been talking about volatility and fear, so I wanna play a clip by Warren Buffett about fear right now. It's like, it's like the virus, it strikes. Uh, some people with uh, much greater ferocity than, than, than others, and, and fear, is, uh, fear is something I really never felt financially, but, but uh, I don't think Charlie's felt it either. But, uh, some people can handle it psychologically. If you can't handle it psychologically, then you really shouldn't own stocks because you're going to buy and sell them at the wrong time. And you should not count on somebody else telling you this. You should, you should do something you understand yourself. If you don't understand it yourself, you're going to be affected by the next person you talk to. And uh, uh, so you should you should be in a position to hold. And I don't know whether today is a, a great day to buy stocks. I know it will work out over 20 or 30 years. I don't know whether it'll work out over two years at all. I have no idea whether you'll be ahead or behind on a stock you buy on Monday morning. There's a lot of wisdom in there. Even if we're not, you and I are buy and holders ourselves, Joe, um, I do wanna pull up our last slide because this is the VIX fear index curve. Uh, you can actually, there, there are VIX futures that expire each month. So you can buy uh, 
fixed futures for October, November, December expiration, you could buy those over a year ago. And this is showing us that there is a lot of volatility being priced into the market. So here's the spot volatility right here. And we had we did this a couple of days ago. This was back when it was about 22, about 24 or 25 now. In September, it's up. When you get to October, we're almost approaching 30 in the VIX. And so Wall Street is basically saying we're expecting the unexpected. And we're, we don't know what's going to happen, Joe. Uh, but what are you, what do you, how are you going to play the election? I mean, I'll worry about that when it, when it comes up, but I, I'm just sticking with the trend until I see um, there's the major warning signs. And right now we're not seeing any consistent major warning signs and the leaders are acting well. Uh, there's a lot of people who are underinvested. So when you need to put a lot of money to work for the big institutions, they're going to tend to gravitate towards the mega cap leaders. So that's what I'm going to be watching. As long as we're above key moving averages, we're not seeing any consistent selling and the leaders are holding up well, then I'm going to stick with the trend and we'll uh, maybe we'll do another webinar when we get closer to the election. So that's still a couple months away. Yep, not seeing those distribution days just yet. Well, we're going to have to go now, but first I want to I want to thank you, Joe. Thanks for joining us, um, as always. And um, you have a website where people can go to get information. You want to give anything out in terms of that right now? Yeah, I mean, I, you can go to joefami.com. There's a lot of information there. Uh, you can also email me, jfami at zorcapital.com if you have any uh, you know questions. Because the bottom line is there's a lot of, uh, especially for new traders, the information can be overwhelming. I do my best to educate and try to help people speed up that learning curve. There's more information on the website. And if you have any questions, you can always email me as well. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your questions, for participating. And we're going to be back next month. We do this the first Wednesday of every month, 2 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you sign up for that one. Thank you.